Well, my name is Charlie Brand, as Pastor Wade already introduced me, and it is good to be with you all this evening. In light of gathering for prayer and Bible study, what I want to do for a few minutes this evening is look at prayer in the Bible. So what does God's Word say about prayer? We'll sort of answer the question of why and how to pray as Christians. But before we get started, I want us to think about this for just a minute. We possess the very Word of God, and we have direct access to God through prayer. This is a very powerful combination, is it not? The Word of God and and access to God as His people. This is of more value than all the riches this world could afford. Think of maybe the the richest man in the world. He may appear or, or think that he possesses great wealth or comfort, stability, but he has absolutely nothing if he doesn't have knowledge of God and access to God in prayer. We get to know this God more, the God of the universe, the creator of us, man, woman, the world, and and all things. We get to know Him more in His Word. And again, we have access to Him in prayer. We get to communicate with Him and cast upon Him our every need and anxiety and burden, even as a child speaks to His Father. Our prayers in and of themselves are powerless. Our prayers have no power. But we pray to a God of infinite power, the power of God who is omnipotent. Therefore, our prayers possess infinite power. In just 24 short years of my life, I have experienced well the power of prayer, and I'm sure many of you here this evening have experienced that all the more. So if you have your Bibles this evening, open with me to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we will spend our time. Before we get into this passage, though, I want to give you some motivation to pray from the Gospel of Luke in sort of overview fashion, as as that's what we are used to here. So no need to turn to these few passages of Scripture unless you just really want to flip quickly through your Bible. I'll, I'll read them for you. But before we get into the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6 and Jesus' teaching on how to pray, why to pray, I want to look at the example of prayer set by our Lord Jesus in in the Gospel of Luke. As Christians, we know we are followers of Christ. We are to be like Him. And this includes prayer. So looking at a few passages in Luke, what does God think of prayer? What does God think of the importance of prayer and How did Jesus model this while he was on earth? So just to point you to a few of Jesus' prayers in the Gospel of Luke, which has very many examples. I wish we could look at them all. But first, and I'll move quick through these just to give you a a picture. You can look at them more deeply later. But in Luke chapter 5, starting off early in verse 16, Jesus cleanses a leper in this passage. And just after he heals the man. Verse 15 of chapter 5 says, But now even more the report about Jesus went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But Jesus would withdraw to desolate places to pray. So we see very early in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus withdraws to pray. 
And a neat thing, I included chapter, verse 15 there, because we see the report about Jesus going abroad. He's famous. Multitudes of crowds are gathering to hear him, what he has to say, and to be healed by Jesus. And me, in my instinct, I would think, let's heal them all. Let's, let's do it. Let's give them the message. But Jesus, in his wisdom, he, he healed people. He shared the good news, of course. But he got away and withdrew to desolate places to be with his Father in prayer. We see another example in Luke chapter 6, verse 12. Just before Jesus chooses the 12 disciples, it says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Jesus withdrew to desolate places to pray, and Jesus at times, it appears, prayed all night in prayer to God. A couple chapters over, chapter 9, verse 18, another example of Jesus' prayer. Just before Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ, and a short one here, it says in verse 18 of chapter 9, Now it happened that as Jesus was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And just stop there. We see another example of our Lord Jesus setting the example of praying alone, spending time with his Father in heaven in prayer. Luke chapter 10. We don't see a prayer of Jesus here, but at the beginning he says in verse 2, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So we don't see Jesus praying here, but we see another aspect of prayer. And what Jesus says about it is that we should pray for kingdom advancement. And we know well, as we're having the Global Impact Conference here starting Sunday, the importance of kingdom advancement and missions. But before Jesus sends out 72 people, for the purpose of sharing the gospel and kingdom advancement. He says, before you send anyone, before you go, before you give, you pray. Pray earnestly that the Lord would send out people into the harvest. So we see many examples of Jesus in prayer, and even the example and the command to pray for kingdom advancement. In Luke chapter 10, we see Jesus praying a prayer of thanksgiving. I won't turn there and read. He, a prayer of thanksgiving to God, as we should thank God for the many things He gives us in prayer. In the Lord's Supper account, the Last Supper in Luke chapter 22, Luke, Jesus prays to thank God for the bread and thank God for the cup and to bless them. If you remember the feeding of the 5,000 and then again the feeding of the 4,000, Jesus prays before those and thanks God, gives thanks to the Lord for His provision before the miracle of feeding all of those people. In Luke chapter 22, another example, I will look at this one. Jesus simply prays for his friend, his brother Peter's faith. Luke 22 verse 31, this is just before Peter denies Jesus. Jesus is about to foretell, foretell Peter's denial. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Jesus prays for Peter's faith. In the last example, before we move on to Matthew 6 and the Lord's Prayer, we see in the same chapter here of Luke 22, Jesus praying very earnestly. Verse 39, And he, he came out and went, as was his custom, 
to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Again, Jesus gets alone to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He's about to face crucifixion, a terrible death. And he says, God, please, I don't want to go through this. But amazingly, he prays, not my will, Father, but yours be done. And we'll see in a minute the importance of praying the will of God, the word of God. But here's what I want you to see in verse 44. And being in agony, Jesus in agony as he prays, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. So Jesus prayed so earnestly that his sweat became as though it were blood. So you see throughout all these examples that Jesus prayed very earnestly and Jesus prayed very often. Even with multitudes, people flocking to him, he would at times get away from them and be alone and pray to his Father. So as people of Jesus, we should strive to model this view, this high view of prayer in our lives. So as we come to our text in Matthew 6, I do want to note one more thing in the Gospel of Luke before we get to that, something that Matthew left out of his Lord's Prayer account. Um, Matthew goes in much more detail, actually showing the Lord's Prayer and the teaching that Jesus gives on prayer there. But Luke includes a, a neat detail here in chapter 11. You see the Gospel of Luke's account of the Lord's Prayer. He includes a neat detail that we don't see in Matthew chapter 6. Luke 11 starts like this. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Nowhere else in the New Testament do we see Jesus' disciples asking him to teach them something. But, but here, where one of them asked, Lord, teach us to pray. So even Jesus' disciples, who when you read through the Gospels, you see that they didn't understand a lot of things about Jesus and the things that were to come. Even they understood that prayer is very important to where they didn't ask Jesus to teach them anywhere else as recorded in the Gospels, but they said, Lord, teach us to pray. This brings us to our text in Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus answers that very question. The disciples say, Lord, teach us to pray. And then Jesus does just that. He gives us his model of how to pray. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 13. Follow with me. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread 
And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, and this is the model he gave them. Verse 9, I believe, you see Jesus saying, pray then like this. With that said, I think it is important that for the most part, the regular routine of our prayers, we pray then like this as Jesus has prescribed. We follow Jesus' model. So looking at these verses, how do we pray according to Jesus? Two overarching points we see, I believe. One, we pray with our hearts set on God. And secondly, we pray with our minds set on God's word. My strategy didn't work, did it? Maybe get in the corner. So first, you see in this passage that we pray with our heart set on God. And we see that in verses 5 through 8. Look at these verses. Jesus begins his teaching on prayer. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So we see in these first few verses, and I'll say this many times over the next few minutes, that we must pray with our hearts set on God. And the first negative example Jesus gives is hypocrites praying in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. They're not praying for the glory of God with their hearts set on God. They're praying for the exact reason that the Word gives us, that they may be seen by others. So the problem is not that they're praying on street corners or praying in the synagogues. Those can be good and great things. The problem is that they are praying for the glory of man, that others may look at them and hear their long, beautifully worded prayers and and give them, the hypocrites here in this verse, glory rather than God. That is not praying with your heart set on God. The verses continue. Jesus says, truly, they have, truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. So it seems that there is a reward for prayer either way. Rather, we pray for the glory of man, such as the hypocrites do, or we pray for the glory of God with our hearts set on him. There is a reward. You can receive, like the Pharisees received, the small, faint praise of man, seeing you pray in public or in the synagogue, in the church, and, and, and praying with your heart set on yourself, that they may like you more or think more highly of you. Or we pray with our heart set on the Father who sees us in secret and we get the reward that the Lord gives in answering the prayers as the good and all-powerful God sovereign over all things in heaven. The verses continue in 7. Jesus gives another negative example. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. 
So we see the next example of heaping up empty phrases, long prayers and repetitive prayers, all for the sake of being heard. For their many words, the verse 7 says. And again, we see the overarching truth in the first half of this passage is that we pray with our hearts set on God. Jesus says, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Because we don't care what others think about us in our prayers or think of our prayers. We care about our relationship with God. We, pray, we care about the things and the people that we are praying for. And it doesn't matter whether we're praying in the public square at the church or with the door shut in the closet. We're praying with our hearts set on God for the glory of God, for the salvation of mankind and the good of those around us. So do you see that there? We pray with our hearts set on God. And I've already alluded to this, but a question that may come up here is, is public prayer okay? I don't think, I mean, obviously, Jesus prayed in public, just in examples we saw earlier of Jesus praying in public. The, the command is not to go into the closet and shut the door every single time you pray. The command is to pray genuinely to God, not for the sake of the praise of man, but for the glory of God with your heart set on God every time you pray, whether it's a short prayer by yourself, a short prayer in public, long or short, location doesn't matter. We pray with our hearts set on God, verses 5 through 8. So what matters is not the length of our prayers or where we pray. What matters is that we pray genuinely. Next we see that not only must we pray with our hearts set on God, but verses 9 through 13, we pray with our minds set on God's word. Jesus says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So just to stop there, you see six petitions in this prayer. And the first, Jesus begins the prayer as sort of a introductory introduction, saying, our Father in heaven. He addresses who he is praying to, and, and the magnitude of, of who this person is. Our Father in heaven. He begins with a prayer of adoration, approaching the throne of God humbly, as we should do in our prayers. Many times I'm tempted to go into prayer, like, God, I need this, and I need this. Please do this for me. But Jesus models, we have fear and reverence, respect, for the one whom we are coming before, the Lord of the earth, our Father in heaven, hallowed, holy, what that word means, be your name. So we approach the throne of God in adoration, praising him for who he is, his mercy and his grace and his holiness and goodness and love. And we approach the throne asking petitioning that his name be holy, hallowed be your name. So you see the sort of reverence, respect we should have as we enter into our prayers. As Jesus said, pray then like this. That's the first petition. And then Jesus continues, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So not just God, are you holy and do I adore your name and pray that hallowed, holy be your name, but I pray that your kingdom will come and your will be done and your name will be held as 
holy and set apart from all things among all the earth as it is in heaven. It's a prayer that the the glory of God spread among all the earth, among all the world, just as it is in heaven. So you see the model of prayer here, the first two petitions, really the first half of the prayer is all about who? It's all about God. Because we we love him. We we want him to be glorified. We want him to be honored and, and holy, kept holy in our lives and the lives of others around us. So we pray for his name to be holy. We adore him. We pray for his glory and, and holiness to be spread among all the earth, all about God. And then it's not until then and now, verse 11, that our, the focus of our prayer turns to ourselves. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. So this is a prayer for provision for our, for our own lives and, and people that we know that may need provision in, in certain areas. A prayer of supplication, prayer request. Like what do you need now that we've honored and respected and glorified God for who he is at the start of our prayer? Give us this day our daily bread, whether it's actual food and money we need. That's a, a big prayer of mine right now as a soon-to-be newlywed. But we pray for provision. Give us this day our daily bread. And the prayer continues, verse 12, is now the focus is still on ourselves. We're praying for the Lord's help in our lives and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. So you see the prayer starts with adoration and supplication, asking for provision, and now it moves to confession in verse 12. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Forgive me of this certain sin that I'm struggling with and this sin that I'm struggling with or my family member is struggling with. We pray and confess our sins and we pray that the Lord would help us to forgive others as well. Forgive me, Lord, for this sin. Help me to turn from it and repent of it and help me to forgive my debtors just as you have forgiven me. And the prayer ends in verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And you see the phrase for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's included in some manuscripts, not all of them. It's not here in my ESV Bible, but I included it. But the prayer for sure ends here, verse 13. Lead us not into further temptation of those sins that I confess to you and sins that I don't know to name, but deliver me from those discomforts, those sins, and deliver me from all evil. So this is a look at the Lord's Prayer as prescribed by Jesus. Pray then like this. And to be honest, it wasn't until a few years ago that I understood and and read about Martin Luther. Many of you know Martin Luther from the Reformation. It was Martin Luther's simple way to pray. But he listed all these petitions and said, pray this way. Jesus said to pray then like this. So just as I just sort of talked through, he said to go through the Lord's Prayer and make it applicable to you, right? Like, like pray and adore God for who He is in your own words. You can start with our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, but adore the Lord. And you get to your kingdom come, your will be done. Like make that applicable in your life. Who is this family member, friend, or maybe missionary overseas that we want to pray that the glory of the Lord spread into their life and His kingdom spread among all the earth? And provision, as I said, pray for things that we need provision for and and provision for people that you know their needs. 
So Martin Luther, simple way to pray, as he titled it, pray through the Lord's Prayer, of course, continuing to sins that you're struggling with and confession, and, and pray very real things in your life. And then he said, when you get to the end, you don't have to just stop praying, but then you can just spend time with the Lord in prayer. But what I have found in my life is that this is a good way to pray. And it's comical that I say that, because of course, this is a good way to pray, as Jesus prescribed this as the way that we should pray. So we looked at praying the Lord's Prayer here, but we not merely do we just pray the Lord's Prayer, but just adding on to this a bit, we can pray all of God's Word. In your Bible reading, maybe you're in the Psalms or somewhere else, when you, pray the, when you read the Word, pray the Word, and pray the Word of God and pray the will of God. Um, so what we see in all these verses is that, is that we must pray genuinely, we must pray humbly, and we must pray biblically. Pray according to God's will. The things we see in the Word of God, that is what our God wants to happen. When we pray the will of God by praying the Word of God here in the Lord's Prayer in truly Genesis through Revelation, and we pray it persistently, we see parables all throughout the Bible, the parable of the impudent friend who's knocking on his friend's door and knocking on his friend's door for him to give him something to give to his neighbor. You see that in Luke chapter 11. You can look at that later. But Jesus tells that parable where the friend keeps on knocking and keeps on asking, and his friend won't give him what he needs, but because he, of his impudence, it says, he goes ahead and gives it to him. And Jesus says, ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened unto you. So we pray the will of God, the word of God, and we pray it persistently. And when we do these things, we pray genuinely with our hearts set on God, according to the word of God, and we pray consistently and persistently, boldly before God our Father. We see here in the word that these are the prayers that God is pleased to answer, and these are the prayers which possess much power. So we must pray with our hearts set on God, and with our minds set on God's Word. So one last thing before we close, just a cool note here that prayer is a conversation. I don't know if you ever thought of it that way, but we, we hear from God in His Word as we read it and know Him more, and we respond to God, respond to His Word by, by praying about what we read and what we learn from His Word back to Him. So it's a conversation. It's our way of meeting and spending time with the Lord. So I encourage you this evening to pray often, pray throughout the day without ceasing, as the Apostle Paul said, but also to set aside a time each day where we spend time in the Word and in prayer with the Lord. And I would suggest the morning time is what better way to start your day by spending time with the Lord, praying His Word, reading His Word, and spending time with Him. Just as we get to know friends and family and people better by spending time with them, we get to know the Lord more by spending time with Him more and more in prayer and in His Word. So I'll end with a question. How are we able to pray? How are we able to approach the throne of God in our sin? How is that even possible? So we know that God is holy and we are sinners. 
We are, we are set apart from him because of our sin. There is a chasm between the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. We can't come into his presence. He won't be in the presence of sin in his perfect righteousness and holiness. The same is true in our prayers. Sin severs all access to God. But thankfully, how are we able to pray? Just as the sacrifice of Jesus covers our sin and makes us right, righteous in the eyes of God, we have access to God in prayer through and only through the blood of Jesus Christ. So in order to come to God in prayer, we must first come to the Lord in faith. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So in conclusion, the exhortation this evening is to devote our lives to prayer all the more. But the invitation before that is that we must be saved by faith. So if you're here this evening and you haven't done that in your life yet, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. I'm sure most of us here on a Wednesday evening have already trusted Jesus for salvation. Let's reassess and devote our lives all the more to be men and women saturated by the Word of God and saturated in time spent with the Lord in prayer, with our hearts set on Him for His glory, and with our minds set on His Word, His will, as we pray. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for this evening and the opportunity that we have to meet with you, God, in, in prayer as we prayed for a few requests at the beginning and, and, and even get to pray to you now, Lord, we praise you for who you are. God, your holiness and your mercy in our lives to, to save us despite our sin, despite us not deserving to be saved, Lord, Lord, we, we thank you and we praise you for who you are, God. I pray that you be with us this evening, God, and just encourage us all the more to, to spend time with you in the Word, to spend time with you in prayer, Lord, as we come and, and do this here each Wednesday evening and, and Sunday morning. Of course, Lord, we praise you for that opportunity, but I pray all the more that daily we would spend time with you, knowing you more and spending time with you in prayer, God, and that that would bear much fruit in our lives, God, as we are made more like you, restore to your image as, as people living out your will to know you and make you known. Lord, help us to, to do that this week, to finish the week well um, at our jobs and wherever you have us, God, living for your glory, to know you, God, and, and to make you known wherever you have us. In Christ's name I pray, amen.